Welcome to The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. And I'm Pastor Amy Walter-Peterson. Thanks for dwelling in The Word with us today. Welcome to another episode of Living the Word with our special guest. And our guest today is someone who is familiar to all of us, and that is Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. Welcome, Pastor. Thank you. It's strange to be on this side of the conversation, but I am excited to be here. It's strange to be interviewing you rather than interviewing with you. So we'll see how this goes today. Um, I don't want to bury the lead. Let's go right to it. (laughs) You recently shared, I know that you have some uh, exciting plans for the fall. And so I wonder if you would tell us about that a little bit. I would be happy to. Um, Yes, those of you who've been reading your star diligently saw in the council news last month that I shared that I uh, applied to and was accepted and intend to start PhD studies this fall. Um, at the University of Rochester. So um, that is a a big leap for me that I have actually been wanting to do for a very long time. And I'm excited that um, things are coming together in a way that makes it possible at this particular juncture. So uh, a PhD program at the University of Rochester is not uh, kind of the continuing education that a lot of pastors pursue. And so I'm wondering uh, if you could tell us a little bit about about the program that you're going to be a part of and what you're hoping to study. Yeah, so uh, the PhD program is in human development. And um, I don't know if all of our listeners know that my background is actually in ministry. I have a Master of Divinity, um, but I also have a Master of Social Work. And uh, when I went to seminary, I knew that um, whatever I did was going to be grounded in faith and a sense of call, but I wasn't sure when I started seminary whether I was called to do that work within congregations um, or kind of out in the world. And 20 years ago, it felt honestly like a choice of doing work within a community of faith or out in the world. I think one of the things that has happened over these last couple decades is that those walls um, have collapsed and if they haven't, they need to. Um, and that's, that's where my interest and my passion have always been. And this is kind of the next stage of that. Uh, when, I was, when I was in seminary and working also on this master of social work, it really took me until my last year before I said really clearly, I believe the next step God is calling me to is within the congregation. But that was my fourth year in graduate school in these two programs before I really had that strong sense. Um, And then it was affirmed by the church. And that has led to now uh, 15 years of ordination as of um, actually a couple weeks from now. Um, So I think as I've lived in, um, in churches, in, in Bethlehem and in Bethany before that, um, and works with alongside all of the faithful people within congregations. Um, I have a yearning to, to think even more broadly about how we are called to be God's people in community. 
And I think that call extends beyond traditional forms of congregational life. And it calls us out into the world, into our neighborhoods, into our places of work, um, into the broader community to think about how do our, how does our connection of God's people really sustain us throughout our lives? And um, so I'm excited to do to do this particular degree. Uh, my my hope is to focus on human connection and um, how we build it, how we support it, how we um, how it helps to sustain us throughout all of life's stages. When I was in college, now over 20 years ago, I studied for my senior thesis, a sociologist by the name of Robert Putnam had just released a book called Bowling Alone. Mm -hmm. And he was writing about um, really the the breakdown in the social fabric in the United States in particular. Um, kind of recalling what many people think of as the heydays of the 50s and 60s, where, you know, your neighbors might be some of the same people you worked with and the same kids you went to school with and the same people you went to church with and maybe were members of other kind of service organizations in the community. That was layers. Oh, and not to mention the extended family that probably also lived within blocks or at least nearby towns. That created layers upon layers upon layers of a social fabric that supported people at all stages of life. And it wasn't perfect by any stretch, uh, but the connections and the community were there. Um, so you fast forward to Robert Putnam writing now over 20 years ago about bowling alone, this concept that actually you go to work completely different people than live in your neighborhood with completely different people than your kids go to school with. And all of these areas of our life have become kind of independent spheres rather than this tapestry of, of woven together um, of, of really a strength of human connection. So part of my question is, how do we um, in this modern day develop those connections that we need to sustain us throughout all of life's stages. I certainly believe the church is a really big part of that or should be. Mm -hmm. um, and actually I, I'm fearful that we're not as big of a part of it as we're called to be. So I want to know how we might step more deeply into um, building those connections and those relationships, not just with those who show up within our walls, but where we are planted in our case here in Fairport um, yeah. and in the greater Rochester community and in our county. Um, and I, I'm excited to do this in a, in, in a university setting where I have access to a lot of different disciplines. You know, this isn't primarily a question of, of social work or, or sociology or psychology. It really is a multidisciplinary question. Um, for me, the reason I'm asking the question is rooted in faith. Um, but I think the answers to the question might come from a variety of disciplines. Sure. And um, I'm really looking forward to kind of broadening the reach of conversation partners to think about these sort of things. Sure. One of the things that I know about you is that, um, is that you have a, a real desire and a sense of calling to integrate your many different vocations, mm -hmm. um, your, your parenting vocation, your partnering vocation, your pastoral vocation, all of those things. And so um, I guess one of the things I wonder about, and maybe people who are listening wonder about, 
how do you see this kind of what might feel like a really new direction? How do you see that integrating with your with your existing vocations, like serving as a co-pastor at Bethlehem Lutheran Church? Uh, that's a great question. And, you know, some part of the answer is, I don't know, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> There, there is, uh, there's a part of this that's just a really big leap of faith, and I don't completely know um, how it will take shape. Um, I have said in in even submitting my application, let's see what happens, and then in answering the um, uh, responding to the admission and saying, let's see what happens. Um, so, I mean, I have a healthy dose of this feels like the next right step, but I'm not quite sure what the steps after it will look like. And um, that openness right now I'm feeling is, is part of what's giving me the freedom to, to try this and, mm-hmm. and see where it leads. Um, when I took the year off in the middle of, at the beginning of the pandemic, because I couldn't figure out how to parent four children eight and under in the midst of a pandemic mm-hmm. with a spouse who works very full-time and who had no remote possibilities at all with his job, um, Came back from that, um, you and I have have stayed at a full-time call for you and a half-time call for me. Um, that that feels like a good balance because it allows me one foot within the world of church and one foot in this other world that I don't totally know what, what it will be. I'm hopeful and imagining that these two worlds together essentially put me back in the realm of full-time work, which allows me as many parents do to continue my parenting vocation um, alongside mm-hmm. a full-time job. Um, and, and that, that, that is my hope um, beyond that. I don't know how it all fits together. Sure. Um, I mean, there will be some logistics um, the, you know, based on when classes are scheduled each semester um, you and I, as many know, have developed a really open way of conversation and developing our schedules so that we are, as balanced as we need to be, um, but also with some flexibility in there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I assume we will continue to uh, cultivate that skill and um, I will be able to prioritize my presence where it's most needed um, at, on any given day and time. Um, so beyond that, it's a living in, it's a yeah. real living into it. Yeah, yeah, I really, I appreciate that. And I mean, I will just affirm that my own call to ministry uh, and to pastoral ministry was very much um, a sense of um, being encouraged to take the next step, not knowing where the steps were going to lead me. Um, yeah. And so I really resonate with that just language that you use, that sometimes all we can know is what the next step is. Yeah. Um, and then and then if we trust that God is leading us, the next steps will unfold. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, you and I have had this conversation so many times um, that there is, there is a depth um, of resource and reflection and conversation about how to be faithful in this time and place that the resources need to extend beyond what already exists in the church. Mm-hmm. We know how to do what we have done really well, Yep. but in order to figure out how to do what God is calling us into the next step, we need some new inputs. Um, you have often leaned on poetry and prose 
um, in ways that feed your creative imagination. And um, I lean into really the social sciences and, mm -hmm. um, you know, language of sociology, language of psychology to help make sense of these next steps. And I, I think both of us leaning into a, a broader imagination is what helps us be the leaders needed in this time and place. And I will confess that I felt my own imagination starting to get really stagnant. Um, the last number of years, I have, I have spent a lot of time in a very small social circle with very small children, um, which has been a gift and a blessing. Um, but also now I'm feeling that yearning to say, where are the other resources to, um, to draw upon? I'm just going to apologize that I am in a room where the phone is ringing and I cannot mute it from where I am sitting. So hopefully in just a minute, it will stop ringing. So sorry about that, listeners. <laughs> the realities of uh, our low-tech ways of doing things like podcasts. We are not in a sound room. <laughs> we are not, but this is also our imagination at work, us saying a podcast might be a really great way to connect with people that we hadn't done before. Um, and so we've tried it without having a sound room and a, you know, big staff of people producing, um, these in, podcasts. So indeed, yes, <laughs> indeed. Well, I, uh, we could talk forever. Uh, I'm going to ask one more question that maybe, maybe is not a short answer question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and then we'll go to kind of the fun five. Um, uh, I wonder, I, I suspect people might be curious, um, kind of as a pastor, what guides your discernment to take a step like this? Hmm. So I think, I, I don't think the answer is different for me as a pastor as it is as a person of faith. Um, I mm -hmm. can tell you that my discernment process did not change drastically 15 years ago when I was ordained. Um, my discernment process includes a lot of time of, of thoughtfulness, of reflection, of um, when I can, taking a walk by myself, mm -hmm. um, space uh, just, to, just to think. Um, I confessed to a, another group recently that I can always tell when I have a lot to process or attend to internally, because when I get in the car, if I happen to be riding by myself, I don't turn on the radio. I don't turn on a podcast. I do not turn on. It's, it's as though my brain and my heart and my whole body are full enough mm. that I need to attend to what's going on internally. And I can't take in any more inputs. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been a lot of that kind of time actually over the last couple of years. Um, there's been tending to a restlessness um, and kind of trying to listen closely to what that restlessness is trying to say. And that listening closely means having conversations with a lot of people I trust. Um, Amy, you know, you've been a conversation partner with me um, for a long time. Um, my spouse, dear friends, um, other pastoral colleagues. Um, and then I think it's testing that decision out. Um, you know, the, the, the practice of sitting with a decision and imagining that I had made it for a few weeks and just kind mm -hmm. of paying attention to how I feel. All right, let, let's say I do this. Do I feel a sense of calm, excitement, 
fear, trepidation, Mm -hmm. and then process what those feelings are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say, since I have made this commitment to say, yes, I'm really going to try this, do this. um, That's what I felt. I felt a sense of excitement and a sense of calm. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm really eager for it. You'll hear me often say, I'm going to try this. What I have not Mm -hmm. committed to is the next six years of my life. What I have committed to is signing up for classes this fall semester, (laughs) um, because that's all I can commit to at this point. And I, I will continue that discernment of tending to, Hey, what does this feel like? Um, where are the places I'm feeling a tug or, uh, overwhelmed or excited? Um, and then, and then seeing where that leads me. Yeah. So wonderful. expect the conversation to continue. Well, I think that's great. And, um, this conversation could certainly continue because I have lots more questions I would love to ask. And I think people would love to hear, uh, but I know going that to- I am always happy to have those conversations. So if you're listening and this conversation with Amy has prompted your own questions, reach out to me, drop me an email, send me a message. Um, We'll sit down over a cup of coffee. We'll chat. Um, I'm happy to do that. This, this is a, it's an ongoing conversation in my own mind, and it would be enriched by having you as a conversation partner. Indeed. I I know that to be true of you, that you are always eager to talk to folks about, about whatever's going on. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to move us to our fun five. These won't be a surprise for you, but maybe in the spontaneity of the moment, something will pop into your brain that you have not anticipated. All right. And as I'm asking her, her first question, she's taking a sip from her mug. So coffee or tea? Coffee, but I think I might be the first person on our podcast to say decaf only. I know that of you. Yeah. <laughs> It, it usually uh, surprises folks. And I, I just, I, it has to be decaf. All right. Preferred ice cream flavor. Cookie dough. Oh, particular brand. No, that's my right. current favorite. I have to just say, um, cherry Garcia is always a top contender too, but lately I've been loving the cookie dough. Excellent. Uh, other than worship, what's a certain way that you connect with God? Walking in silence. Oh, I don't think I knew that about you. Yeah, walking and walking silence? In silence, yeah. Which probably means walking alone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just that happened to maybe know that. Dog. It used to be with my dog. I would take my dog for a walk. Yeah. Um, uh, some of you know, our dog died, um, a couple of years ago, right before our fourth child was born. And I have a firm commitment that I am not capable of taking care of any more living things at this particular point in life. Um, so I missed those walks with Bailey. Yeah. Um, she was a very quiet conversation partner. Yeah, she was, which was lovely. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, what's one resource that you rely on that keeps you grounded in your faith? I have to say it's hymnity. Um, because I think it, that's what I find myself returning to. Um, mm. You know, I um, I'm one of the people who suffers from earworms. Songs get stuck in my head, but I find that often they are hymns, um, particularly hymns I need to hear at a certain time. Yep. Um, so it, I think it's hymnity. Yeah. And finally, Christmas or Easter? Christmas. And why? Incarnation all the way. Uh, I mean, resurrection. Yes, that's really important. <laughs> and I believe in it. Um, but what really speaks to me is God taking on flesh and 
setting up camp among us. Um, it's the incarnation always. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, thanks for sharing today. Thanks for this conversation. This wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it would be to interview you instead of interviewing with you. So (laughs) that's just because I talk a lot. So I fill up all the time. (laughs) I'm not disagreeing with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a knowing laugh. Yes. Thank you. And thanks listeners. Uh, Hope you enjoy this podcast. As always, if there's other people you would love to hear from connected to the Bethlehem community, um, let us know. Uh, we hope to continue these living the or uh, living the word with episodes throughout the end of the summer. And so, um, please reach out if there is someone you'd love to hear from. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. Thanks for living the word with us today. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have someone you'd like us to interview, please be sure to email us at theword at blcfairport.org. If you'd like to support Bethlehem Lutheran Church and the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit our website at www.blcfairport.org.